Hello and welcome to episode one of the new and improved Backstreet Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. And I'm Zach Spurduti. Ben, what's improved about the podcast? Because we know it's new. Well, uh, now part of Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, uh, wow. we have a lot of resources at our disposal that will help you, the listener, have a better and improved NBA listening experience. Ben, didn't they already have a amazing listening NBA listening experience before? But it's improved, Zach. Oh, okay. Well, we now have we now have actual it. segments where we'll be uh, talking about some cool stuff, and uh, we got some more music. We got some more, some more, some more, uh, you know, segment music that they can listen to. It's going to be great. Great. Uh, is the banter still going to drag on for an hour and a half? Or are we going to have shorter episodes? Uh, we're going to do our best to uh, keep to a tight window. Um, I'm not All sure right. if that will ever be the case, but uh, we're going to do our best, you know. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the music that you've curated. I know, um, you know, music costs a lot of money and to hire uh, artists and, you know, influencers to make music for us. So who'd you get to uh, make the music for our podcast, buddy? Well, you know what? Uh, you're in luck because uh, I actually happen to be an influencer and uh, music artist. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. But who'd you hire to make the music? I hired uh, an independent contractor who works uh, for zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's that sounds like a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, what have you been doing for the past uh, several months, Zach? Uh, you know, as you know, we both graduated from the prestigious university that is UT, and um, I've been working from home. The same uh, room I learned what two times two was, I'm now um, helping a company navigate bankruptcy. So hopefully I don't get fired as a result of what we talk about on the show, but um, I'm ready to roll the dice. I, I doubt your you. bosses will ever listen to the show. It'll – they're big in the – he's a, he's a coach for his nine nine and unders. Oh, uh, so he, he's he's tuned in, big time. Okay. So what are you doing, uh, buddy? Yeah, I've been uh, sitting in my house for the past, you know, eight months, trying to find a job, um, and playing Warzone for uh, long hours of the night into ungodly uh, time until okay, I pass so out. What do we have for our, for our first segment? So first up. Our first segment is uh, called Kevin McAle, uh, where we talk about a beer that we picked and popped this week. Um, Zach, do you have a beer that you would like to talk about? I do. Um, I recently got into the main beer company. Um, I've been the main once, so I feel um, I feel very close bond with me. And it has a it had a whale on the logo, so I felt very drawn to it. Um, it was expensive, so it, it suckered me in. Um, the first one I have is lunch, which is the famous one, and I didn't find it to my standards, but, you know, the next one I had this week was, was M.O., um, and it, it's a pale ale, good grapefruit, good pine, good clean kind of dry finish, but wet, it's wet to start, so it's just, it's, it's a, it's got unique flavors, it's got unique, uh, taste, and, um, it's one of those beers that you kind of sit back and you, you remember, you know. So. Oh, that's very nice, Zach. Uh, I have a special beer of my own by my side right now. Um, it's a crafty, uh, it's a crafty brew. Uh, it has some underrated hops, a little sneaky athleticism. That's right. I'm talking about uh, Samuel Adams Holiday White Ale. Um, it's got a nice, uh, nice notes of gingerbread to it. Mm. It's like a citrusy wit a little bit. Um, okay. I really do quite enjoy it. Um, a little, little coriander in there, maybe? I, bu- I bought the yeah, a little coriander. I, I spent uh, some some money on the Samuel Adams Variety Holiday Pack, so uh, digging into that right now. Um, moving on to our next segment of the show, uh, the airballing of grievances, uh, the part of the show where we talk about something we need to get off our chest this week about the NBA. Zach, uh, is there anything you need to get off your chest? It's just something that's been sitting on my chest for quite a while now. And um, 
it's something I never really had the platform to share it. So I made it a podcast to talk about this one issue. I'm going to be bringing it up probably every week. Um, I don't like the way Montrez Harrell plays personally. Um, you know, I just feel like he gets in the game. He gets um, makes maybe one or two good plays, and the rest are just he flails his arms, goes up to the rim, and he gets hacked. So he goes, you know, three trips to the line, six free throws, and that, that's that's his uh, time every time he goes up and down the court. Now, you may question, wow, I don't remember Montrez taking that many free throws. Well, his per 36 uh, free throw attempts per game is a 9.1 last season. Now, let me scratch that. Oh, Ben, thanks for that statement Church stat. Yep. <laughs> no, I meant to say his per 100 possessions, I'm sorry, per 100 possessions, free throw attempts per game is 9.5. Yeah, we'll Luka let it Doncic's, <laughs> Luka Doncic's per 100 possessions, free throw attempts per game is 13.3. There is no reason that Montrez should be taking as many free throws as Luka, in my opinion. He's a physical player. Like he is a physical player, and he's a great player. That's the, that's my problem with it, and the same problem I have with Harden. It's these players that seek out contact um, without the intention of making the shot. So my broader point is less about Montrez. I'm finding out as I'm talking here is is more just players when they when they go for a basket, they're so good at what they do. I want them to make a basketball play instead of searching for contact, uh, contact which is part of the game. It, it gets points, put points on the board. But my it's like I just want you to fight to the contact and make a good play instead of relying on a, a rest foul call or just relying on um, basically relying on a, a rest foul call. I want them to make a play. You know, Zach, one might say you uh, have a bone to pick with more than one ex-Rockets player as a Rockets fan yourself. Uh, you seem to feel very similarly about uh, Patrick Beverly of the of the very same Clippers team that uh, Harold was just a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, part of the reasons why I am a Rockets fan but currently wearing a Carmelo Anthony jersey, Rockets mm-hmm. jersey. I don't own any James Harden gear. I just he's too good of a player to play the way he does. Wow, that's very noble of you, Zach. Thank you. I play, when I play, I, I I play the game the right way. I, I don't I don't look for foul calls. Yeah, you're you're more of a uh, <laughs> you're more of a more of a shooter, right? You're more of a less less contact type player, kind of like Frank Kaminsky type thing going on. Oh, Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a little more like a, a soft type player. Um, but anyway, so uh, to my airballing of grievance, Bogdan <laughs> um, Bogdanovich's agent is a snake. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I think Bogdan's name's going to be said twenty times tonight. All right, carry on. This is this is the only time I'm going to bring this up. This is the only time I will talk about it. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich's agent uh, burned the Milwaukee Bucks in a contract negotiation um, prior to the deadline, prior to the uh, the time when contracts are allowed to be openly talked uh, with free agents. Um, the Bucks were in talks with Sacramento Kings uh, to do a deal to bring Bogdan Bogdanovich to the Bucks in exchange for Ersani Ilyasova, Dante DiVincenzo, and DJ Wilson. Um, the deal then was leaked by an unknown source, uh, which we found out later was most likely Bogdanovich's agent in order to get him more leverage on a higher contract. Um, so the Bucks uh, get investigated by the league for tampering, and uh, so did the Kings. And Bogdanovich's agent gets him a nice, lucrative four-year, $72 million deal with the Atlanta Hawks. Um almost immediately uh, following uh, some of the uh, tampering uh, investigation news. And uh, the books end up getting screwed out of a player, and I just don't think that's right. Uh, This is the same agent who represented uh, one of the Morris brothers when he was in uh, about to sign a deal with the San Antonio Spurs and then backed out last second uh, and went to the Knicks. It's the same agent who uh, Bielitsa, uh, who was going to sign with the Philadelphia 76ers and then backed out and signed a deal with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, this is just an agent with a long history of screwing over teams, and I am not happy about it, and I'm going to make a fuss. Well, that um, – so what you're saying is you're, you're implying that the Hawks tampered. 
Is that, is that what you're implying? I'm just saying every NBA team, all 30 NBA teams talk to players before is technically allowed. It happens every year where there's a deadline of 6 p.m. or midnight, and there's deals getting done at 12.01 or 6.01, and there's, like, no way that they would ever be able to be negotiated in that short of time if every team was sticking with the rules of not talking to players beforehand. So all I'm saying is make it consistent, all right? Like, Wesley Matthews tweets out a Lakers jersey, 15 minutes after the deadline, but I'm supposed to believe that he never had any contact with the Lakers okay, beforehand. First off, his dad like was in the Lakers organization, so he had memorabilia. Okay. Oh, second off, okay. second off, your whole thing about, you know, sign at 601 or 1201, that's the key word is 01, Ben. It's not 1201 four days before the deadline. It's on the, it's on the night. All I'm saying is neither team agreed to a deal. The agent leaked it out beforehand to get more money. Be consistent in your tampering allegations. The Bucks get hit with a 50K fine for saying they want to retain their own free agent, Giannis, last year. I just want it to be consistent. And that's all I'm saying. That's, that's one of your MOs in life. So I'm, I'm a consistent guy. You are. You're bringing your lunch pail to work kind of guy, and you want them to be the same way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we can transition a little bit into some notable news for this for this uh, episode. Um, first off, the Houston Rockets. What's going on there, Zach? Uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, both asking out. Uh, Christian Wood coming to the table. What's your What's your take as a Rockets fan yourself? I want them all out if they oh. want to go out. If they want to leave, then I want them to leave. I want them to find the happiness that they that they desire. And I'm sorry that's that everybody you know, I'm sorry that the most diverse city in America wasn't enough for them. But you know, I think it's interesting that um, to be serious for a second, if one of them leaves before the other, will one of them just stay? Because they both kind of want their own team. But I guess Harden doesn't want his own team going with Kyrie and KD. But Russ obviously wants his own team. So if some team can turn a deal for Harden. Will Russ just want to stay in Houston because now it's just a crappy team with him being the leader, which is something that he apparently desires. So Do Houston fans uh, want him in Houston? Um, well, as you know, our attendance is probably around the league low. Mm-hmm. As, as you attended a primetime game last year. Um, with about 400 people on a Friday night playing Dallas Mavericks. Uh, well, they didn't, they didn't have Luka, so... But uh, I digress. Uh, I'll wrap. What I'm saying here is, um, yeah, I don't know why all the leaks happened all of a sudden. I don't know why that happened. It was just weird. Like you know, you're just scrolling through Twitter, and like every five minutes, it's just another shitty thing the Rockets did to not make their stars happy. And last thing on Harden is, we literally created the team just for him. He's allowed to run the offense how he wants to. A coach that allows him to do whatever the hell he wants to do. A team surrounded with shooters. I don't understand why he'd want to leave when this was literally his team. So He wants to team up. He wants to play with his friends. And then if he wants to, then get the fuck out of, out of town. Oh. Well, I'm sure DeAndre Jordan will be welcoming, welcoming him with open arms in Brooklyn. So, um, yeah, I heard Christian Wood said that he, uh, he could be a good second option behind James Harden. So, you know, <laughs> eye emojis. Maybe, maybe he knows something we don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, in other social, me- <laughs> in other gonna, social media that. news, uh, Buddy Heald liked a tweet captioned, Buddy Heald seeing the Woj uh, tweet saying Kings still consider him a part of their core, and the tweet had a picture of a dude uh, with tears streaming down his face. Buddy Heald liked the tweet, uh, so that's not great news for Sacramento, who just decided not to match the uh, offer sheet for Bogdan Bogdanovich that the uh, Atlanta Hawks uh, gave him. Uh, so we're, we're going to see what happens with Buddy this year, uh, see if he's still a king by the end of the deadline. Um, but I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, phenomenon. Phenomenon? Yeah. So where do you see the Kings uh, finishing up in the West? Where, where do I see him finishing up in the West? Uh, we'll, we'll do a, a, uh, we'll do a, um, a seeding podcast at some point. I mean, point. they're uh, not coming in. Small part. They're not coming within striking distance of the eighth seed. I'll tell you that. I don't know where they're going to shake out, but they're not yeah. coming near that. 
this year. I agree. I agree. I mean, I like some of the moves, that, like uh, draft picks that they made and everything, but, I mean, they got worse without Bogdanovich. And, I mean, they just signed Hassan Whiteside earlier today. Um, so, yeah. not really sure what that's about. Um, uh, in other news, though, uh, free agency news, uh, the NBA, as we know, is the copycat league, and um, the Pistons tried to emulate uh, that uh, by copying the Bubble Nuggets five big lineup that they showed um, by assembling a roster made up almost entirely of big men. Um, adding to their roster uh, this free agency so far, as well as to the draft, uh, Mason Plumley on a three-year $25 million deal, I want to say, uh, Jaleel Okafor. Tony Bradley in a trade, uh, Dwayne Dedman in a trade, who they since waived, uh, Isaiah Stewart, who they drafted with their first-round pick that they acquired, um, and then they signed Jeremy Grant as well, who's a power forward. Uh, the rest of those guys are centers, uh, but at least they got a stretch four in the mix now to pair with their uh, superstar Blake Griffin, who's also a power forward. Uh, so really space in the floor for Blake there. Um, I heard that... Jeremy Grant got the exact same money offer from the Nuggets, uh, but he decided that he'd rather play with the Pistons for a bigger role. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that, Zach? Well, I mean, they also got rid of Kevin Herter, so their only chance of stretching the floor is gone. Uh, I Kevin mean, Herter? You mean Luke Kennard? Herter's on the Hawks. Luke Kennard. You know, it's, they're they're, they're both white. They're both shooters. You know, I, It's very easy to mix them up. We get it. Go on, go on with what you're saying. And that's another grievance I have is just the um, the monolith that is um, <laughs> three point shooters in the NBA of a certain. Um, never mind. So you got a bone to pick with white players, Zach. White role players. That's that's one of I, Zach's uh, major. They're doing uh, their job. They're doing <laughs> their job. Um, all I'm saying is. Um, so, A, it's just interesting, you know, as far as it comes with uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, maybe he'll be playing the three. Maybe he wants to expand his game a little bit, and then um, he doesn't see, like, he, his player development himself in, in, in Denver. Um, uh, obviously, he improved in, in Denver over he, over in Oklahoma City. So, he, I don't understand why he'd want to leave the contender to play for a team that's not going to be in the top ten, but especially if he's going to be making the same money. Um so I, I don't have anything else to add on what you said. I just I'm echoing your statements that it's um, a very confusing roster build. I could I could see Grant playing the three maybe. I mean he's got the ball handling where he could get by there. He's a good defender. He could guard multiple positions. So uh, that begs the question though, where Okafor, Plumley, Stewart, Bradley all fit in, um, as well as Blake Griffin. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, the Pistons clearly have a plan. Whether it's a good plan or not, it remains to be seen. But it is they do have a plan, and they are following that plan. Sign whatever, sign whatever free agents you can for as much money as possible. And make sure they're all over 6-9. Hey, it's uh, a big men's league. It is. I mean, when, they, when, when the rest of the league zigs, they zag. You know? We'll, we'll see how it works out. Um, one last little touch of news here uh, before we move on to our next segment. Uh, the Grizzlies, once again, have the best alternate uniforms in the association, so I just want to give them a little bit of an applause for that. Uh, they uh, brought back some of the old throwback colors, the, the teal, and I'm really vibing with it, i got to say. So you're putting that over Cream City? The Cream City jerseys, let's be honest. Better, only one good thing about better in thought than in execution. <laughs> I've been wanting the Bucks to go back to like some of those purple, uh, alt like throwbacks uh, that they used to rock in the '90s, early 2000s. So I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that one day we'll get to that. But it looks like the new Bucks jersey leaks, or they seem like they're going to be blue, which is an interesting choice. Personally, not a fan, but you know, other people, other people might might enjoy it. Maybe uh, support your team. Oh, I, I support my team through a lot worse choices than that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, next up, we have an exciting segment for you guys. Um, something of Zach's own creation. 
the Delhi desktop. So yeah, it's actually great timing. Uh, we thought about this as just a fun thing to do because Ben has a Delvadova T-shirt, and you know Delvadova has a shoe deal, and Luka Doncic doesn't. So it's just you know, and he's just he's just the bring your lunch pail to work kind of guy. And the Delhi uh, ones, the Delhi ones, to the Delhi ones, yeah, mm-hmm. and they look like tennis shoes, but um, Steph Curry shoes. The dad, they don't. <laughs> but um, so it's actually great timing. And we didn't expect any news to actually be talked about there in this segment besides maybe just highlighting his career accomplishments. But actually, Delhi just recently re-signed with the Cavs on a one-year uh, veterans minimum for $2.1 million. Blockbuster been, deal. Um, blockbuster. And the deals haven't been totally confirmed, so we don't know if it's 2.1, 2.2. So those, those details are still coming out. Uh, we'll keep you apprised on that maybe next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some key, just some interesting Delhi stats before we move on is that over his last five games last year with the Cavs, in March, he averaged nine assists per game. Wow. Those are Ish Smith numbers. It's pretty good. <laughs> and a shooting suffered last year. He was shooting the 20% from three. I think if he kind of gets his groove back and, um, you know, a, they want Colin Sexton to um, to grow. And they don't they don't need Delavid. They're not contending, so they don't need that guy. But it's kind of a veteran I, presence. He's a veteran presence, and I, I hear he's been working on his shots. He's uh, he's kind of fixed the the old classic Delhi shot put form, and he's he's got a little bit of a quicker release. So we might see some of that coming in the next season. Could be exciting. I think he should be on a contender. I don't think he should have resigned with the Cavs. I think he's a guy. Like, I'd rather have him than Quinn Cook coming off the bench. In my personal opinion, I think he's. I, I think Delavado is actually absolutely a playable guard in this league. I think that he was signed to have a bigger role than he should have with Milwaukee. I think he gets a bad rep for that. I think if he's your third string point guard and he's coming in, kind of bringing some energy, you know, why yes. not? Why not yes. bring him in on a minimum? You know. That's all to I'm be saying. your to be your backup point guard or to be your starting point guard like on the cap like cap sometimes like I mean he's being asked to do a little bit too much there that's probably why his percentages suffered uh, like that since his first stint with Cleveland but you know what go Delhi the king is returned to Cleveland on a one year deal the Delhi man keeps slicing away yeah Cleveland's own always comes back on those one year you know. Prove it type deals. I don't know if this is prove it as much as um, more prove it to the team. You know, like oh, are, are, is the team worth me coming back for another season? You know? <laughs> Maybe do a little player option attached on that uh, on that second year. You know, and have the option to maybe go to the Lakers. Um, you know, <laughs> the world is Delhi's oyster. Um, moving on to our mailbag. Uh, section of the program, uh, we got a couple listener-submitted questions here, so uh, why not dig right in? From Daston, which player is angriest at their agent this offseason, or which player is going to be immediately regretting the team they signed with? I'll just take this for a sec. Oh, I thought you said I'll take this for a sec. I said I'll let you take this for a sec. Oh, okay. I think the player that's angry at their agent so far is um, probably Kyle Kuzma. I think that um, I I don't know. I don't think he still wants to be part of the Lakers. I think if he stays on the Lakers with LeBron AD, he's never going to be the player he could be. Um, but it's the same thing with kind of the you know Jeremy Grant thing. It's um, I think that he is the kind of guy that would benefit from going to a worse team having some more minutes, and kind of growing. And, you know, he, he is more of a, that microwave guy off the bench, but I think he can be so much more, and he's not asked to kind of manage a game or anything. And maybe that's not the player he's supposed to be. But I think he's – I don't think he is a player that they need, um, although he made some good shots here and there. I think he personally, like, would be – his career would benefit from putting up some good stats on a bad team. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. I'm not as high on Kyle Kuzma as you are, but um, 
I think like his absolute ceiling is probably like a like maybe a six man off the bench. I don't think he's I don't think he's good enough to like be a starter in the league on a good team anyway. But I do agree that I think he's, he'd be pretty pissed at his agent if he doesn't get moved from the Lakers at some point. I mean, granted, they just won a championship. But, like, you know, he's won that now, and he, you know, probably wants to make a little bit of money, you know, maybe put up some better stats and get a nicer contract down the line. Like, I mean, there was rumors that uh, the Kings were looking at him as a way to get out of uh, Bogdanov- paying Bogdanovich, you know, obviously – now they let him go for nothing, but he was a guy that was talked about as a package that the Lakers could send. Um, and, like, you know, I don't know how much it would benefit his career to be on a team like the Kings, but you never know. Um, and at least he would have a little bit more opportunity probably than living in LeBron and AD shadow who both play his position kind of. So, um yeah, I could agree with that. I was going to say uh, Jeremy Grant, though, as uh, <laughs> just as the player who's going to immediately regretting the team that they signed with. Um, I don't know what Jeremy is uh, <laughs> thinking um, as to his fit with the Pistons. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty crowded front court, but... Um, Maybe he'll take on more of a ball handler role, you know? I think his best position is the four, because he's kind of rangy and he can defend there he could play the three I just I don't know I, I think he's better as a stretch four so there's going to be such a log jam there he's going to be probably regretting that deal especially because he could have had the exact same money with the Nuggets um, yeah and be a starter right well he might be a starter with the Pistons still but well I mean I like a starter on a, on a great team is what I'm saying well right exactly a team that's you know actually contending I think we're the only podcast that's talked more than ten minutes about Jeremy Grant. Yeah, and I'm I'm proud of that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, me too, buddy. We could be the Jeremy Grant podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, our next question uh, comes from Adam. How often will Giannis be running points with Drew around compared to last year's roster? I will take this one first, since I am the resident Bucks expert. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Giannis will be running points that much. I think he's probably going to stick with his same role that he's had for the last four seasons, where he's kind of like that secondary uh, ball handler but primary playmaker. Um, like Giannis is more of a point forward, point power forward. Uh, and with having Drew Holiday and DJ Augustine, you kind of have that same – amount of guard depth that you had last year with Bledsoe and Hill, except, you know, better uh, at the top end. Like, Drew Holiday's way better than Eric Bledsoe. So, if anything, like, we might see Giannis playing a little bit more off-ball on some pick-and-rolls with Drew Holiday. Um, I really don't think that he's going to be playing points at all more than he was last year. He might actually be playing it less quote-unquote point guard role, but um, he really hasn't played the point guard role since his third season. So um, I think DJ Augustine and Drew Holiday are more than capable of taking those duties on. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say shout-out to Adam. You know, it's a great question. Um, hope they keep coming in every week. But as far as Giannis goes, this is what I was, you know, internally thinking about. Um I just think he would benefit so much more. We've already seen how point Giannis goes, and we've seen how far that can go in the playoffs. And if he doesn't really change his game too much, which is so hard to change your game, especially in this offseason, it's basically impossible, um, which which hurts him. Um, but it also helps him having the, the break. But right now it's hurting him, his development, and being a shooter, being more uh, that kind of player. But – I think that he would benefit immensely if he played more off ball and kind of almost played like instead of a you know a point forward, play like a big man forward if he has his back to the basket a little bit more and has plays designed for him instead of ha- having him try to create every play. I think he would. He's such a great player that yeah, there's going to be times when you need point Giannis, but I think he should be playing a lot less this year and they should have plays that are designed for him. Yeah, I couldn't agree with more with that. I mean. I think you need to get more creative about 
involving your best player in the offense, you know, like instead of just having him dribble up the middle of the court and have one guy set like a off ball screen or something like get him involved as the role man more. He's insane as a role man. Like he didn't really have a pick and roll ball handler before this. That was like elite um, or even like close to like at that high level, like Eric Bledsoe, we all know his struggles in the playoffs. He's no threat as a ball handler because he can't shoot. And, like, so they're just going to be packing the paint the entire time. And that's part of the Bucks' problem in the playoffs is, you know, the last uh, three runs they've had Eric Bledsoe shooting 20% from the field. Like, yeah, it's so hard to run an efficient offense when you also have a superstar who is not known for his shooting. Um, then you end up having basically all of the weight go to Chris Middleton and role players. And, you know, we've seen how far that takes you. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the offense changes this year. I think it'll be a lot better in the playoffs with Drew. Um, The depth is a little thinner, though. Uh, But as we know, you know, top-end talent wins out in the playoffs more often than not. So I'm cautiously optimistic about uh, the Bucs' improved playoff chances this year with Drew Holiday's addition, even with the uh, snubbing of Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, But our next question comes from Sam. Uh, With first take showing a potential Sixers lineup featuring Dwight Howard playing power forward, have teams in the East done enough to solidify that position this offseason? And will this blockbuster move ultimately force Giannis to the Western Conference next season? So, Zach, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, First Tech, first Take put out a uh, 76ers potential starting lineup uh, with Ben Simmons at point guard. Uh, one of their wings, I, don't, I forget who it was, at uh, the two guard. Tobias Harris, Dwight Howard, and Joel Embiid rounding out the front court. Um, so how do you feel about how teams are matching up against that lineup? Personally, is it crazy to say that I think that the – 2019-2020 Sixers are the only team competent enough to match up physically against this 2020-2021 lineup. I mean, Al Horford, he, he could definitely go against Dwight Howard. I think he could hold his own. What, what do you think? I feel like we should, you know, have a better sorting process in our mailbag. Um and maybe you have a different person who sorts our mail because he did a terrible job. With wow, allowing wow. Um, These people are giving yeah. us our content, Zach. You know, usually when you talk with Sam, you get more, but I think this time you got less. So instead of being named Sam Moore, he should be called Sam Less. But in regards to this, um, bullshit question. Um, I think that Dwight Howard shouldn't ever play the four, and it's another reason never to tune in the first take or undisputed, to actually learn about anything sports. If you want to be entertained, there are great places to be. But if you want to learn about sports, check out the Bexy GM podcast. And we'll, we we won't put Dwight Howard at the four. Maybe, uh, you know, he's got a uh, – you want to play Baker Wall? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he's the ball he's more of a point forward. Like, you could unlock <laughs> Dwight Howard at the four. Like, kind of like a Giannis type, you know? I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing here. But, you know – you know, I think, you know, the Bucks might have gotten worse. They they let go of Robin Lopez, you know. That, that's another physical body that you can match up against Dwight Howard at the four. So we'll see come playoff time. That could that could hurt their chances. That is a question I wanted to ask. Who's your backup center right now? Bobby Portis. Uh, not power forward. I meant center. Well, he's, he can play center, too. I think they're mostly going to go smaller because um, they kind of learned their lesson where Robin Lopez was unplayable in the playoffs. So Bobby Bobby Portis is probably going to play like their backup 4-5 role and then have more Giannis at center or Giannis-Portis lineups in the playoffs. And Portis is a career 36% three-point shooter, so at least he stretches the floor. And he's not a great team defender, but maybe in the right system. I mean, Brooke Lopez wasn't a great defender before he came to Milwaukee either. So never know. Yep. Um, the Rockets show that, you know, small ball can win a game in a uh, seven-game series against the Lakers, so something to look forward to, buddy. Yeah, I mean, P.J. Tucker would be the only upgrade over Dwight Howard in that lineup. Um, on to our next segment, uh, we have the bargain bin, where Zach and I compare, compare two players, 
player A and B not to be named until after, uh, and the other one tries to guess who they are. Zach, do you want to go first? Ben, I feel like you know it's your pod. I'm just I'm just a guest host, man. What are you, know, you talking I, about, it, Zach? You're, you're the co-host. You put as much, uh, if not more, into this podcast than me. Well, then, being the basically the main host, I won't. I won't. I'll defer to you. Okay. Are you not ready for your thing? Is that why? I am. I got to I sent you my fucking. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. So we got two players, both in their age 31 seasons. All right. Um, one of those seasons is, uh, I believe, 2006 to 2007. And the other one is last season, 20, 2019 to 2020. Um, so these are player A uh, stats. 26.3 points, 7.2 assists, 3 rebounds, 1.9 steals, 4.1 turnovers, 44.2% from the field, 31.5% from three, and a 29.3% usage rate to go along with plus 1.8 box plus minus. So that's player A. This is the player from uh, age 31 season, 2006-2007. And uh, the next player, player B, uh, 27.2 points per game, 7.9 assists, 7.9 rebounds, 1.6 steals, 4.5 turnovers, 47.2% from the field, and 25.8% from three, uh, 34.4% usage rate, and uh, 1.5 box plus minus. So that is the player that's the current player from last season. Okay. Do you have so, any guesses? Both age 31 season. You know, the second one I want to say is Westbrook. Player B? That's yeah. right. That's correct. Okay. Okay, I'm glad, looking, glad the Rockets fan got it. Because I was looking at it, and it's like, that could be maybe Paul George. That could maybe be, you know, kind of one of those. 25% from three kind of gives it away, I think. And – that was that was the kicker right there. Someone who averages twenty. Okay, so player A, does he play a similar position? Yes, similar. Not going to say exact same, but similar position for sure. Um, thirty-one. I mean, I uh, honestly don't know. I'm going to say Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas. Or no. or Baron da- or Baron Davis. No, neither one of those. Good guesses. Good guesses. Okay. Do you need another hint? Sure. Okay. Um, This player, uh, during the season in question, played for two teams. Uh, Was traded midseason. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Denver Nuggets. Oh. And this is 2006-2007. Allen Iverson. Yep. Yep. Allen Iverson and Russell Westbrook. So, Ben, what points are you trying to make here? I just think that uh, for as much as we hate on Russell Westbrook and idolize Allen Iverson, as players, they're not completely different in, at this stage of their career. Where are you going? Zach's, Zach's pacing his room right now. Um, so is this, a, is this a hate on Allen Iverson segment? I don't know. What it's I'm not saying. a hate on Allen Iverson segment. It's It's – as much of maybe give Russ his credit for what he actually does segment. I mean, resident Rockets hater Zach Spurduti might have something to say about that. <laughs> but, you know, he's averaging five more rebounds per game. He's averaging about the same turnovers, even though we know him to be very turnover prone. He's averaging 3% higher from the field. I mean – Iverson is averaging 6% more from three, so that's something. Um, but Westbrook has a higher usage rate, and they have about the same box plus minus. Not that that's the best advanced metric to use, but, I mean, I'm just saying, I think, you know, at this stage of his career, we hate on him a little bit too much. And that's fine, but, you know, we're comparing it to a 2006 Allen Iverson, and that's really not a player you always want to be compared with. Um, <laughs> that that is, your point is there's two players in their decline. I I disagree that Allen Iverson's later career is celebrated. 
I think it's he is a um, he is one of those players that people look back and say, wow, he wasn't as efficient as he should be, and even in his MVP year, he's shooting around forty percent. I think, so I think people, people are going to look at Westbrook as the same deal, kind of, when they look back on him. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fair. I just, I just, I thought that was interesting. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers record in 2006 was 35 and 47. So, um, mm-hmm. my point is, you're comparing two players that are playing basketball the wrong way. <laughs> That's what makes them a great match. <laughs> okay, so your point is Allen Iverson should be more held accountable for how he um, was a selfish basketball player and didn't play basketball correctly. And Westbrook is being overhated for how bad of a player he is interpreta- interpreting um, what Naismith intended basketball to be played as. Sure. Yeah, I'm just okay. saying that we have very different perceptions of these two players but at this stage of their career, they were pretty similar. Okay, that's fair. I, I, I like I like where we ended on that. I wasn't sure where we were going, and you, know, you yeah, drove you're, the car. You're ready to jump down my throat a little bit. Um, yep. You know that's no stranger to that. But uh, why, why don't we go ahead with your two players, Zach? Okay, let's do it. So um, I'm gonna give you no context at all, and um, oh, thanks. I'm, just I'm gonna give you they're just both. So they're both. I like how you did a historical player. I like that. That adds a little bit of intrigue. Um, but I am going to do two players that play today, playing the same position in today's NBA. Um, okay, so first player, 15, 15 points a game, eight rebounds, 0.8 blocks, 58% true shooting percentage, 17.3 PER, 3.9 win shares, and a net rating of 3.1. Player two, 19 points a game, 7.1 rebounds, 1.1 blocks a game, 61% true shooting percentage, 23.2 PER, 7 win shares, and has a net rating of 6.5. And they both, uh, yeah. So you want to take both play depth? a similar position? They both play the exact same position. Okay. Um, is the second one LaMarcus Aldridge? No. Okay. Does he... Do these two players play power forward or center? Yes, both both power forwards. And Is one of them Julius Randle? No. I'll give you a hint. One of them comes off the bench. Okay. Is one of them Kyle Kuzma? The first one? No. Okay. Um, one of them comes off the bench. It's a big... Hmm. I'll do I'll do better. I feel like your hints are better. One is a former champion, and one is a sixth man who just signed a new deal. A sixth man who just signed a new deal. Okay. Montrose Harrell is yeah. one of them. So okay. Is, is he the is he the second one? He is the second one. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah, you got the second one. The second one is, indeed, Montrose Harrell, averaging, yep. Okay, and then the first one was 15 points per game. Uh, Former NBA champion. And also... Arkansas. Close. Very close, actually. But powerful. Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka. Yep. So, I didn't really have a, an exact point here, but my point was just basically comparing two guys. And it was interesting because they both could have either gone to the Clippers or the Lakers. And I personally thought, that Montrose should have stayed with the Clips and um, Serge should have gone to the Lakers. I, I thought it could have gone a different way. Um, Montrose is – I mean, he's gonna, they're both going to do well because they're both good players. But I think that Serge is more of a veteran, fits with LeBron. They kind of see – you know, I'm not saying Montrose, Montrose doesn't have a high IQ for the game, but I think Ibaka is more of that player that doesn't look for his own shot all the time. I think Montrose, to be successful, needs to – needs to – um, get, be fed the ball in the post. Yeah, he gets his own, own boards, but I think he doesn't play off the ball well. And I think Ibaka um, has more, also, obviously has championship pedigree, but also has experience kind of moving around on offense. And he, he's okay averaging, like, he can okay, he's okay having a two-point night. I think Montrez needs his touches. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a fair point. You have LeBron and AD, like, having another power forward who's going to be taking up a bunch of touches could be, you know, a weird, awkward fit, but at the same time, you know, 
the Lakers had such like bad depth last year and you know they won the title regardless but like their offense without like LeBron on the court was very like sus so you know adding Schroeder who is a very similar player to Lou Williams and then adding Montrezl Harrell kind of maybe trying to recreate that dynamic with the Lakers um for the bench unit um I think that's an interesting fit and I do think that it was kind of awkward as a fit with the Clippers, um, with you know Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and then having Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell there. They you know like they kind of just didn't mesh as offensively as well. Um, whereas Serge Ibaka does stretch the floor um, for those guys, and he can slot right into the starting unit. Um, so i think it'll be interesting for both teams i don't think it's necessarily a bad fit um or that it would be a better fit the other way around um i, I just think it you know it'll be interesting to see yeah i agree and as far as the net rating goes i mean i, I i'm not taking away anything your points those were all definitely things for um us to think about is that i was surprised that ibaka's net rating was was 3.1 and that um I always, I always think, you know, Harold. sometimes on the Clippers, this is also going to your point about a bad fit, he was asked to play center, which is, um, you know, Gasol's going to be asked to play the – yeah, he's 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 a good defender for his position, but once he's asked to guard the center, he's severely outmatched in terms of size. So I think, you know, in that point, he's a better fit on the Lakers because, um, you know, he'll have Gasol playing uh, the five um, right. on the bench unit instead of asking him to – guard Jokic in the playoffs. Right. Right. It is helpful to have Gasol there, but the the Lakers did lose uh, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. Those are their big man duo, yeah. so they're replacing that with a older Gasol, so we'll see how that works. Um, I think Gasol's a really good player still. I think he has his role. I just, you know, we'll see how that pans out over the stretch of a longer season, You know, especially if they want to still play AD at the power forward and not have, you know, his body, you know, too taxed during the regular season and having to play Gasol in that five role um, consistently. We'll see how the bigger minutes tolls, you know, works out for both those players. But I think uh, we should move along to our final segment of the show, uh, the transaction traffic report, where Zach and I talk about, some notable NBA transactions that uh, happened during the last week. Uh, so off the bat, uh, let's talk about John Wall. Uh, John Wall requests a trade from the the Wizards. Uh, he says he's not happy. Um, the Wizards owner then, you know, talks about there's a leak about how he was upset with John Wall after he flashed some gang signs on Instagram Live. I don't know if you guys remember that from last offseason, or I think it was last offseason, a while ago now. Um, so John Wall requests a trade, and then the next day uh, immediately backtracks from that statement, saying that he would love to stay with the uh, Washington Wizards uh, for as long as they want him, after realizing uh, he wasn't going to get traded uh, from that massive contract that pays out Forty-one million, forty-three million, forty-five million over the next three years. Uh, talk about damaging contracts. Uh, there, there was there was that uh, rumor that the Rockets were considering flipping him and Westbrook in a trade. Uh, as somebody put it, switching seats on the Titanic, a sinking ship, both parties. And that person was you. And no, you know, it wasn't I me. I that. saw that on Twitter. I don't know who that was. Oh. Oh, you sent it to me then. Okay. Yeah, I did send it to um, But, you know, <laughs> if we get some picks out of that, then I, uh, you know, it's a bad contract. But it's not as bad as the Russ contract, in my opinion. I think, or the Chris Paul contract, it, it was oh, given yes, a guy. Oh, yes, it is, dude. No, no, now, no, now it is. I'm saying but when they when they wrote it. When At they the put time? The pen, that's okay. what I'm saying. When they put the pen to paper, this guy in his prime, he was averaging like 28 and whatever, 7, and maybe even 23. Eight and seven, and he's just a he's just a, he was a great player, and um, just unlucky with injuries. Like he's like almost got the he's got the Clay Thompson look. Of I'm John Wall. fun to watch. He's super athletic. You know, it's such just like a 
classic four general point guard, and those are the type of players that I like gravitate towards. Like I love Chris Paul. Um, like I love those type of players. He's a four general that can instantly take over the game and score. Like Stockton, yeah, he's a four general. Chris Paul, now a four general, but they can't just take over the game immediately. Uh, they can, you know, and in spurts with their with their passing or with the mid range. But he could literally like dunk over two people. He could shoot a shot over three guys. Like he was just he's a special player, and um, I would honestly want him in, in first rounds. Or like they, I, I, it sucks that he wants out and he gets a shitty contract now. The teams can't really match it, but if any team can match it, we can. And I would definitely want to buy his jersey at Academy in five years for two dollars. But no, it's that's hard. Uh, Carmelo Anthony jersey you're wearing right now <laughs> for the Rockets. Yeah, but I think I mean I would I mean I know it's a bad move on both sides, but I would I would I would take John Wall on a couple picks. A couple for picks. <laughs> <laughs> Better be getting that Drew Holiday haul if you're if you're. Uh... Swapping picks for as bad as that Westbrook contract is, who oh boy. Uh, another bit, of, another transaction we got uh, on the report today. Uh, Trevor Ariza um, started his week off with the Portland Trailblazers, where he spent his last season uh, injured uh, or playing poorly. Um, passed around to the Houston Rockets on Monday, the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday, and the Oklahoma City Thunder by Saturday uh, in a series of trades, uh, which I can't even keep track of at this point, um, making it his fourth team in a week. Uh, happy for Trevor, though. I mean, he's uh, his, real, his real estate agent uh, might not be too happy, but you know, at least at least Trevor might uh, get to be a nice veteran uh, mentor on a young Oklahoma City Thunder team. You could teach them how to shoot one for fucking ten in the game seven of a Western fucking conference final. <laughs> but um sorry for our young viewers at home. But um I Trevor Reza it's I don't understand how that's like how does like I feel like they shouldn't say that that player played for that team. Like when they go through his basketball reference, they'd be like, Wow, Trevor Reza played for every team in the NBA at one point. It just doesn't make sense. Like, I like, yeah, I just feel like you have to play like a certain number of games to be called, like say you're on that team. I don't know. That's a B for another, you know, air, airballing. Maybe, maybe that'll be your airballing of grievance for next episode. Yeah. How how we uh, how we talk about players and who they've played for. Up next, breaking news. So as uh, on the same topic of uh, horrible contracts and the light of John Wall, um, Gordon Hayward. Signs a four-year, $120 million deal with the Michael Jordan Hornets. Um, he will act as a complimentary star to LaMelo Ball. Um, what do you think of the signing, Zach? He's made more in career earnings than Tom Brady's made in career earnings. So. He's a one-time all-star. Uh, he hasn't been the same since his ankle injury with the Celtics. Uh, you know, he's still been a serviceable, like, good player. He's efficient. But a one-time All-Star getting four years, $120 million. And that's not all. The Hornets also have to waive Nick Batum's $27 million deal, and it will stretch over the next three years if they cannot find a suitor for him, uh, paying out an average of $9 million a year, plus Hayward's uh, average of, what is that, $30 million a year? Yeah, I think that the Thunder are going to get two first-round picks for taking on Batum's contract. So... <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna hit the waiver. That's gonna hit the transaction track report next week. Is that, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder got a 2029 first round pick for taking on Nicholas Batum's contract. But um, I think, you know, what's it? I want to go back a little bit on Gordon Hayward. Is that didn't Danny Ainge have a deal set up where he's gonna he was gonna get Miles Turner? And that's then like, another, like he, that's another he thing. Wanted, yeah, Danny Ainge he, the. Uh, the king of talking about trades that he almost did uh, always leaks out something after a major star signs a free agent deal or gets traded to another place. Yeah. Uh, oh, the Celtics almost had Anthony Davis. Oh, the Celtics. And, and KD. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
could have had KD if Danny Ainge threw in Semi Ojale, uh, but he was unwilling. <laughs> Danny Ainge is. He hoarded all of these assets, and then he just decided to use them on terrible draft picks instead of sending them out for a star. Like, Danny Ainge just drafted, like, a one-dimensional suitor, or shooter in the first round of the draft, Aaron Naismith. Like, there were so many guys on the board, and that's who he spends his picks on, his hoard of picks. Like, I, I don't get it, but in, in defense of the Hornets, like, Hayward's contract is over when LaMelo is up for, uh, like, a contract renegotiation. So, at the very least, like, if Hayward stays healthy, like, he can foreseeably help LaMelo's development. And as a small market that you are in Charlotte, like, you're not going to be able to sign many free agents. So, like, I get where you're coming from, but to sign him to this insane deal, like, they must have been in a bidding war against Indiana or something, but, like, I feel like I don't see any way that Indiana would have paid close to that for Gordon Hayward. So I'm I'm at a loss for what they paid. At the very least, fit-wise, like, it's not awful. Like, they could have done worse. No, I mean, Hayward at, you know, if he ever gets back to at least some some point of his, you know, first stint in Boston or his last stint in, in Utah, he's a great player. He can fit into every single team in the NBA. And it is a good defensive team, and they can kind of hide him on defense. But to offer him, I mean, everyone's, there's no, we're not playing devil's advocate here. We're not giving you a hot take at all. But we can't really find a a reason to make this make sense besides maybe putting one extra fan in the stand who was uh, a former Utah Jazz fan. I don't know. Yeah. Or a BYU fan. Or a BYU fan. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, to be fair, it might be better than the Nick Batum contract when it was signed, but that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> uh, we had we had a couple more just uh, housekeeping uh, reports here. We got uh, Drew Holiday to Milwaukee, uh, and we have Schroeder, Gasol, Harrell, aforementioned, uh, going to the Lakers and West Matthews. So, uh, team in the East and West bolstering their units. Um, the Bucks, arguably, like, they did better at the top end. Probably got worse depth-wise, which might be a good thing because maybe it'll force Mike Budenholzer not to play the reserves for 35 minutes a night in the playoffs. Um, maybe, 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 that, maybe that will be uh, be a good thing for the team. But, you know... You can also see Bobby Portis playing 42 minutes over Chris Middleton. So, wow. Remains to be seen. Um, as far as Schroeder, Gasol, Harrell, West Matthews, the Lakers, I mean, I think the Lakers obviously it. got better than they were from last year. And Like, that, that, the, that team that they got could be a playoff team just with the players they got. I don't know about that. You don't think so? In what, in what conference? The East, of course. You don't think Schroeder, Matthews, uh, Gasol, and Harrell? Could at least go forty-two or forty-one and forty-one, uh, or like thirty-eight and, and uh, forty-four. I think the no, I don't think so. I really don't. Okay. I mean, I th- I think like there's a lot of teams in the East that could outdo that lineup. Like the Hawks, like just got Bogdanovich. Better, yes, Rondo. Well, they got, yeah, they got Rondo. They got Gallinari. Gallinari, oh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's a roster that can make the playoffs. But it's a great supporting cast and way better than what they had in the past. And, you know, they gave up Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, but, you know, you swap those two out in a heartbeat for that haul. Um so I, I, the Lakers got stronger. It remains to be seen whether the rest of the teams in the West will get stronger. Um, I think the the Bucks got better for the playoffs, if nothing else, uh, slightly at the very least. Um, hey, Chris Paul. Yeah, I yeah, that's big, right. Chris, I think that's Chris Paul. Big for, the, big for the Suns. Chris Paul for the Suns. That's a good. I mean, Suns making a run at the eighth seed now. How about that? 
and you know, making a run for the eight seed in the um, in the I West, they'll be, bit, like, they'll be a bit better than the eight seed. They'll probably be in the middle of the pack. In the West, I think I feel like the West like may be weaker than the the East this year. The East, you know, the Nets are no longer the Nets anymore, and you know. The, the Heat are proven that they can be a good team. The Rockets so I think might that, drop out of the playoff picture altogether if they end up trading Westbrook and Harden. If they keep Harden, they're probably still going to be in the playoffs. Um, probably will. But it'll still it'll be seventh, eighth. It won't be third, fourth, fifth. So. Um, well, the West, you know, that's the if West Christian Wood doesn't become a superstar. So. <laughs> it's a sleeper in fantasy right there. Yeah. But go ahead, go on, go on with what you're saying. I interrupted. No, I, I would just say I think that the uh, that the Bucks relative to the East got worse, and the Lakers relative to the West got better. And I think and what you said is, I think the Lakers got significantly better, and the West didn't really add anybody on the other good teams. Like Denver didn't get anybody. Houston obviously is going to lose people. Um, Portland getting Covington, that's going to be interesting. Uh, He's a good three and D guy. I mean, obviously, if Houston's giving up Covington, we're we're not thinking about contending anymore. So, yeah, I think it's interesting what you said about the East. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be very wide open. I think at the top of that conference, um, the Bucks might, through the nature of their system, be the one seed again. But you never know what yeah. happens in the playoffs past that. And. I personally think they're better suited for the playoffs with Drew Holiday because addition by subtraction with Eric Bledsoe, you know, averaging 30% from the field offensively and then kind of just, like, falling apart defensively as well as a result. Um, Like, Drew Holiday has proven that he can play in the playoffs, even in the West, so that's something. Um, They do have a weaker bench, but, again, bench matters less. The Nets, you know, they are going to have KD and Kyrie Irving back. We'll see... If those two can stay healthy, we'll see if they acquire Harden. That remains to be seen still. Um, you know, personality-wise, that three-headed monster is like – that's toxicity right there in a nutshell. Like, we'll see, guarding, we'll see how far that gets them. And who's guarding any wing? Like, is – like, obviously – Nobody's guarding solid. anyone, Zach. I don't think you understand. They're starting DeAndre Jordan yeah. out of a uh, – <laughs> Joe Harris. Out of friendship. The, yeah. At the three. And then KD at the four. Like, I don't know what the lineup. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen in Brooklyn. It's it's weird that maybe Jeff Green will play the four. <laughs> I'll see why not. If you're if you're not going to have any defenders out there, you might as well go all out. You know, just score 150 points per game. If they could maybe get if they could get like PJ Tucker in that deal, that'd be interesting. You know, uh-huh. I mean just. Just give us all your 2020 picks. You already gave all your 2010 picks to Boston. Just give all your our 2020 picks to uh, to us. Yeah, don't see why not. We'll take all your. I mean, we'll take it. I honestly. The, the funny thing is, though, I could see, like, if the Nets were to trade the farm for Harden, I could see it blowing up in their face just as easily as it did when they traded for Garnett and Paul Pierce. Like, granted, these players are more in their prime than those players were, but at the same time, like, the dynamic personality-wise is so volatile. Like, Kyrie could ask out at any minute if he's not happy, or Harden could ask out again, or KD could, you know, say he doesn't want to play there or get hurt or something. Like, he's coming off an ACL injury. So, it's... It's a huge risk for the Nets. Uh, so I think yeah. that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, I totally, totally agree. With that, uh, we're wrapping up this first episode of the Backseat GM podcast, uh, the revisitation of the Backseat GM podcast, uh, brought to you by Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. Um, you can follow okay. us on Twitter at Backseat GM Pod and Instagram at Backseat GM Pod. Uh, and we're found wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, and <laughs> the rollout will be yeah, we'll a little slow. To... We're just starting uh, with uh, getting it uploaded to all the networks. We'll be on Spotify immediately, and then uh, Apple Podcasts by the end of the week, and hopefully some other ones. So, yeah. Well, we'll try to do a weekly podcast every Wednesday. Uh, mark your calendars and pop your popcorn. Until next time, uh, I'll see you later, Jeff. I'll see you there. Mm-hmm.